This morning, uh, you're wondering about the Christmas tree, perhaps. I'm not going to explain it yet. Uh, but it will give me a couple minutes, and we'll get there. Let me uh, start with, um, I've got a message this morning that's a brief message, but an important one. It's based around three words, why, how, and who. Would you say those words with me? Why, how, and who. And if you give me just a few minutes this morning, we're going to talk about those three words when it comes to global outreach here at Mount Hope. Why do we do it? How do we do it? And who does the work? And I'm just going to spend a few minutes on each of those. Why, how, and who. And, uh, and then we'll come to uh, our time of commitment at the end of our service today. If you've been with us the last uh, number of weeks, you know this is our theme, Any Place at Any Price. When I first heard that theme, I thought it really connected with me. In fact, it really can connect with you whether you're inside or outside the church. When you think about anybody who makes a great sacrifice to accomplish something, these kinds of stories often connect with us. The kind of stories of someone who's willing to pay a price to accomplish something great. How many of you watched the Olympics back in August? Watched the Olympics? How many of you, I won't ask this part, but many of us I know knew nothing about many of the sports we were watching before watching the Olympics? Right? Some of you watched water polo, and you knew nothing about water polo before watching water polo, but yet you found yourself sitting there watching and going, are they really treading water? Are they, are they, how are they doing this? And we're watching these sports, and they wrap us up in this, not necessarily because of the athletic prowess that it takes perhaps to do them, though that's interesting. They often wrap us up in it because of the stories that they tell us. I get wrapped up in things like the Olympics because I hear a story about an athlete of what brought them to that point, what they came through. Many of them faced economic hardship. Many of them faced hardship in their government or their country. Some of them, you know, their upbringing. What it took to get them to that Olympic stage is often a compelling story. So I not only want to see Hussein Bolt run as the fastest man on earth again and again, and that's incredible for that few seconds, but hearing his story of him growing up in Jamaica and how he became and got to this point of of running this race, of him giving glory to God when he runs the race is an incredible and compelling story to me. There are people in all spheres of life that we look at and we say, what a great story. Maybe it's in, maybe it's in art or there's someone you, you uh, value or you look up to when it comes to art or music and you re- understand their story and it draws you to them. Maybe it's in business. You hear the story of a, a Jeff Bezos with, with Amazon and this guy shipping packages, books, literally out of his garage, running to the post office himself to ship books out of his garage with this dream that one day everyone in the world will know who Amazon is. These stories. Or these guys, Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak, maybe you've heard of them. Little company called Macintosh started out of their garage with a dream that one day to change the world. And we hear the stories of the price that they paid and the place that they got to. I heard one recently that I wasn't aware of. It's the story of Howard Schultz. 
Uh, perhaps you've heard of his little company called Starbucks, uh, up-and-coming little coffee shops that jump up around here. I, I had known Howard Schultz was the founder of Starbucks, but I really didn't know his story. Learned recently that as he was interviewed, the interviewer was asking him, you've been married for 34 years, I think it was. He, he said, that's unusual for someone of your stature. We often see people who are in these uh, careers and they're millionaires and billionaires and often their marriages don't make it. How have you stayed together this much time? And he said, if it was not for my wife, there would be no Starbucks. I thought, well, there's a compelling story. What's behind that? Turns out when Howard Schultz was, was just starting Starbucks and he had uh, three stores that he had purchased and he had expanded that in two years to six stores, but they weren't making any money. He wasn't taking a salary home from them. And uh, his wife was eight months pregnant and she was the only income earner in their family. And Howard's father-in-law, uh, as father-in-laws are wont to do at times, took him aside put his arm around him and said, son, my daughter's about to have a baby. You're about to be a father. I'm about to be a grandfather. You have no money coming into this family. My daughter's going to have to stop working. What are you going to do? Maybe it's time to sell this Starbucks thing. And Howard Schultz in that moment actually thought, well, maybe that is the right thing to do. So he went to his wife and he said, you know, I talked to your dad and he mentioned, you know, maybe we should sell Starbucks because you're, you know, you're having a baby. I've got to provide for us. It's not bringing in any money. Maybe we've just got to, you know, sell this thing off. And his wife uh, said to him, as Schultz recounts, his wife said to him, I love my dad, but don't sell this business. I love my dad. I, I, I respect him, but you stick with this and we will figure it out. And that's why Howard Schultz says if it wasn't for his wife, there would be no Starbucks. And so these people behind the people, the story behind the story, and you and I can look at something like Starbucks or Amazon and Apple and say, isn't that wonderful? But it's the story behind the story that's often compelling. The person that's willing to go to any place at any price. The sacrifice that it takes to get where people get is often the compelling aspect of it. But the truth is, the most compelling stories to us actually have another component. Not just the price, not just the place they get to, but the people they do it for. The most compelling stories, perhaps you would agree with me, are the ones where someone is willing not only to make an extreme sacrifice to get to a great extreme place, but the person that does it not for themselves, but for someone else. Those are the most compelling stories to me. When I hear of someone who makes this great sacrifice, who gives up this, really their life for the sake of someone else, I'm drawn in. Because who does that? And why would you do that? It's why in our military, we reserve the most precious medals for the ones who are willing to put their life on the line for someone else to put their life in harm's way in order to save someone else because we recognize that that kind of sacrifice is unusual. Not only a great price, not only do they get to a great place, but they do it for another person. 
Those are the most compelling stories to me. Those are the most inspiring ones to me. And perhaps when we hear them, we think, wouldn't it be great to be part of a story like that? Wouldn't it be great to be part of a story in any place, at any price, for a person's story? And the truth is that you and I have the opportunity to be part of such a story. But that message, that idea is what leads us to and what brings us Christmas tree on the stage this morning. Because as we were as a team praying about and thinking about and looking through scripture and saying, we love this theme any place at any price and, and we love what it, what it stands for, but what is the best story in scripture to help communicate it? And we looked and we said, well, there's, there's Paul. We've been looking at Paul in the book of Romans and what an incredible story of this man who goes throughout the Roman Empire, who is stoned, who is, who is you know, kicked out of cities, who is shipwrecked, who puts his life on the line in order to plant churches. And we thought, what a great price Paul paid in order to go to all these different places to win people for Jesus. We thought of all the disciples, any one of them we could have preached a sermon on. Peter being crucified upside down as he, as he brought the gospel to distant places. Thomas, who history tells us, was the disciple who perhaps traveled the furthest, making it all the way to India with the gospel before he has killed. We could have told any one of their stories, but as we look through scripture, the one story that we said is really the greatest example of any place, at any price, for the sake of the gospel, is the one we remember every December 25th. Is the one that we remember every time we get out the stables and the manger scenes and we set up all those little figurines and we make sure Joseph is in the right place standing by and Mary's there pondering and the shepherds are there with their sheep and the wise men are there and all this. And we set it all up. And the story that we remember every December 25th is really not just a story of Emmanuel, God with us. It's the greatest missions story that scripture has. It's the greatest example of someone going any place at any price for the sake of someone else. The scripture that we came to was Philippians chapter 2. I want to share that with you this morning. Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 8. And it says this. Paul writes, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Philippians 5 through 8, in this passage, we see this example of Philippians 2, 5 through 8. We see this example of Jesus, Paul tells us, who emptied himself. Jesus, who leaves his seat of authority and glory in heaven 
at the seat beside the Father to come down to earth. And we think of it, oh, isn't it wonderful that this baby's in the manger? Isn't this wonderful that he came for us? But what we don't think about is this amazing journey, what was given up and what was sacrificed, not just to come and die on a cross as a sacrifice for us, but even to be incarnated and to become human. What an amazing sacrifice of what he had to empty himself of, what he had to give up to come instead of being all places at all time to be in one place at one time in the form of a man. And he comes and he pays a price to come to a place to save a people. And it's the greatest example of this message that we could think of. And what it is, is Paul says in this passage, let your attitude be that of Christ Jesus or let your life be following that of Christ Jesus who emptied himself, leaving his place of power and authority and comfort to come to a place where he had to give up much in order to accomplish the work that God had called him to. It reminds me, if you were here with us last week, when Ken Belbin talked of Jonah. Jonah, who the only time he thanked God was when he was comfortable. And the only time when he was mad at God, when God would take away his comfort. And yet Jesus himself would leave his place of comfort and authority where he rightfully belonged to come and live on earth and die in your place and my place And Paul says, that's your model. Paul says, that's who you are called to be like. That's who you are called to live your life like. That should be your example. The story of Christmas is really the story of mission. It's really the story of God's mission that he's been on. This scripture reading that we had at the beginning of our time started with Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, God has been on mission right from the beginning. And when humanity fell, God's been on a mission to restore to relationship. And Christmas is really just a continuation as a part of that mission where Jesus comes to your place to take your place so that you can go back to his place. It's a story of missions. So that's why, when you ask why we do what we do here at Mount Hope, why do we spend so much time talking about global outreach? Why do we take three Sundays here in October? Why do we take one Sunday every month throughout the year? Why do we celebrate these global outreach partners that come through? Because this is the God that we serve. He did it, he modeled it, and he has sent us out to do the same thing, to take this message to those who have not heard. If God is willing to leave heaven to bring this message to earth and to accomplish the work that needs to be done, we probably ought to be willing to leave Burlington and go to St. Lucia or any place else in the world that needs to hear about Jesus. That's why we do what we do. That's why we bring attention to this because this is the God that we serve. He modeled it for us. He doesn't ask us to do anything that he did not do himself. The story of Christmas is the story of mission. So that's why we do what we do. What was the next word? Anyone remember? How. how. Thank you. Somebody was listening. Say how. 
How is the work done? Let me talk to you a little bit about how the work is done. Every year when I talk about how we do this at Mount Hope, if you're here with us for the first time on a Global Outreach Sunday, I always kind of go into a little bit of the nuts and bolts and give you some of what happened this past year, how much money came in, where it went. And I say usually this is for those type A uh, personalities. You love charts. How many of you love charts? How many of you think the gospel should have been given in an Excel spreadsheet, right? I mean, some of you, that's just where you live. You just love that. You think if it can be said, it should be said with a spreadsheet. Um, And so we're going to take a few minutes to just talk about how we do missions at Mount Hope. What we do at Mount Hope here is we gather to learn about God, grow in our love for God and others, and then go live a life driven by faith. And we believe that we want to be able to learn, love, and live locally and globally. So we want people around the world to learn about Jesus and across the street to learn about Jesus. So when we talk about global outreach, it's about people learning about Jesus. So we're going to talk about uh, how we do that and some of the numbers. But I know when we get to this part of the service, some of you are going to nod off and drift off on me. So I've got a gift for you to keep you engaged. Um, we're gonna, I'm going to give out some candy canes here as we, as we go. Pastor Marvin's going to help me, and I've got some volunteers that are going to help me to give out some candy canes. And um, you need another bucket. We got plenty of buckets of candy canes. Go ahead. Hand out the candy canes. We'll give those out as I'm talking. So one of the ways that we do this at Mount Hope is we do this through faith promise commitments. So let me tell you about our faith promise commitments at Mount Hope. Hopefully you got a card when you came in this morning that had a faith promise. It was a faith promise commitment card. And we're going to collect those at the end of service. What these are is every year we ask you to make a commitment towards missions. And we say, well, you make a faith promise. That's different than a pledge. A faith promise is saying, not what I think I can do, not looking at my budget and saying, look, this is what I think I can do. But a faith promise is saying, this is what I believe that God is going to do through me this year. And so I make a commitment. And so in the last 10 years, in 2007, we had 46 Uh, Faith Promise Commitments made at Mount Hope 10 years later. This past year, we had 95 Faith Promise Commitments, so it's more than doubled in 10 years. So praise the Lord for that. We're glad about that. Let me go to the next chart. Next chart, number of faith promises. So 95, the percentage of adults making faith promises. I'll tell you that second number is really more important to me. Uh, 40% of adults making faith promise commitments. Uh, My goal, everyone is at different places. Everyone can do different things. But my goal is that if Mount Hope is your home church, that everyone will be engaged in missions and outreach and make a faith promise commitments in missions and outreach. Next slide. The average giving gift. You know that next slide. Giving per adult. uh, In uh, those numbers are a little off skew. In 2007, that should go with that top number. $366 per adult was given towards missions. In 2016, $601 per adult given towards global outreach at Mount Hope. Next slide there. Any place at any price, annual missions giving per adult, so $601 per adult given at Mount Hope. Amount of total uh, missions compared to tithes and offerings, so 14% of tithes and offerings was our global outreach giving. What that means is uh, compared to regular giving, compared to tithes and offerings, we gave 14% to global outreach. Next slide there. 
Total giving, 2007, $89,000 went out. Total, 44,000 went to our global outreach partners. In 2016, $144,000 total went out and $102,000 went out to our missions partners. So praise the Lord for that. Now, before you ask, that does not mean $42,000 went to someone's salary or something like that. Uh, the other $42,000 above and beyond the hundred and two <clears throat> goes to mission trips, special projects. It goes to other things throughout the world uh, that we use our missions dollars for. But the $102,000, the faith promise commitments, we commit to send those out to our missions partners. Next slide. Any place, this kind of just shows that in graph form, $144,000 went out total, $102,000 went out to partners. But let me tell you a little bit about our philosophy of missions at Mount Hope. Our philosophy of missions at Mount Hope is this. See, we break up the world into three different areas, the unreached, the formative, and the established. These aren't our categories. These are used really universally throughout evangelicalism, throughout the churches. They look at Christians and nations, and they say that there's this part of the world that's completely unreached, that um, the gospel does not go to. There's a part of the world that's formative. In other words, they have some access to the gospel, but less than 2% of that country is uh, Christian. And then there's established, which means there are churches established. There's access to the gospel. Uh, That's much like the United States of America. Even though there are many lost people here, there is a church in the United States of America that should be doing its job. The fact that other nations have to send missionaries to the United States of America is just really evidence that the church in America is not doing its job the way that it should be. But the church is here and is established and people have access to the gospel as opposed to the unreached parts of the world where there are countries where they have absolutely no access to the gospel. The internet can be shut out. There's no written material. There's no churches there. There's no Christians there. They don't know a Christian. They have no access to the gospel. But here's, the, here's what happens with funding. These percentages, 4%, 16%, 80%. of all missions dollars, so four cents of every dollar of missions throughout the world goes to the unreached people. goes to formative places and 80% goes to those places where the church is established. How many of you have a candy cane? Lift up your hand. How many of you don't have a candy cane? How many of you have more than one candy cane? Multiple candy canes. So we gave you candy canes even though you already had candy canes. You, got, you took candy canes even though you already had candy canes? But look at the rest of this world that doesn't have candy canes. We have a candy caneless world. They have no access to candy canes. They have no candy cane makers among them. You can share your candy canes if you want to throw some candy canes over to them. But we will give them an opportunity to have candy canes later. You can bring those up. Here's the thing. This is what often happens, right? This is just a picture of what happens with missions dollars. What happens is there are places in the world that have access to the gospel. There are places in the world that have the gospel present with them and we keep continuing to pour most of our resources into those places and the places in the world that have no access to the gospel, they get the least amount of resources. 
They get the least amount of money. They're some of the hardest places to reach, and yet they get the least amount of the resources. Paul said, I want to go to those places where no one else has preached, but that's hard to do. We want to go to those places where no one else has reached. We don't want to neglect any part of the world. It does not mean we neglect the established part of the world. We feel a great responsibility to the established part of the world. That's who we are. That's where we are. That's why we open up a campus in Belmont. That's why we're going to continue to look for places to reach the United States of America and places like it. But we also want to be part of turning the curve and saying, you know what? Those places that are the hardest to reach... Those places where like Ken Belbin, who was here last week, you're going to go to northern India where it's really hard to spread the gospel, where people may not give you as much support because you can't come back every time with this story of crowds of thousands coming to Christ because it's a hard location, it's unreached, but you're going to go there. We want to support you. We want to be a part of what you're doing. We want to turn the tide. And so we at Mount Hope, we set a target uh, that's a little different than how the global church really usually allocates its money. We said we want 45% of our dollars to go to the unreached. We want 35% to go to formative, 20% to go to established. Because the established is already getting 80% of the church's resources. So we want to be a part of turning the tide. And the tide is starting to turn. It's interesting, you start hearing a lot more now about churches saying, we want to go to the unreached, we want to reach the unreached. I was talking to Jason last week, who was here, from, uh, and his family is going to northern Vietnam, and uh, I said, yeah, we love unreached people groups here at Mount Hope. I said, I said we were doing unreached people groups before it was popular, and it was, we, we, this is where our hearts been. This is where, because we want to be a part of what you're doing. So last year, where did we hit on our targets? We actually, we were a little off on our targets, but... Um, Um, I think off in a good way. So 50% of our resources went to the unreached people groups. 29% went to formative. 21% went to established places um, where the church is. Now, that's a real simple way of explaining this. There's a lot more. In fact, if you talk to Chuon Nui, our missions director, he's got this whole matrix that our missionaries run through in order to figure out kind of where they fall. And if they're leaving from Mount Hope, they get preference and, and all kinds of things, no matter where they're going. If you go out from Mount Hope, you get preference no matter where you're going to go. Um, so there's a whole matrix that, that, that goes with that. But this is where the funds went last year. 50% went to the most unreached people that don't have access to the gospel. And uh, that's just who we are. And so we want you to know that. We want, to know, we want you to know uh, what we're doing and how we are doing it. Um, and so those are the targets. So the places in the world where they are, uh, the, well, these are some of the things we did last year, extended global outreach team coordination to Belmont. So another campus, they're taking their faith promises there today too. Uh, we did that a little bit last year, but this is really the first time they're doing faith promise commitments in Belmont. Uh, we've got Go See trips, Global Outreach Service Exposure Experience trips, St. Lucia, Swaziland in March, and Bali next summer, uh, Indonesia going with Don, uh, meeting the Buteras there. Uh, we're doing some different ministry profiles, update, our team is updating them more widely for prayer in 2017, want to be praying for our partners in a more consistent way. Missions giving has maintained fairly consistent such that we have been able to continue the level of regular support for our partners and make special gifts to assist in some projects. Chuon put that last point on there, I think, in an effort to say, 
we're maintaining, but we haven't been able to really expand. And there are missions partners, uh, global outreach partners that often contact us. And our response the past year has been we're currently at capacity. Uh, We're sending out everything that comes in. But come to us in October and November. Based on the faith promise commitments that come in, we'll make decisions for next year. So last week you met Jason Morris, um, and they're going to North Vietnam. And I said to Jason, I'm like, you're, the, you're, you're it. You're the type of family, you're the type of missionary that we want to partner with and support. It just depends on the support that comes in because we need to fulfill the commitments that we already have to our current partners before we're able to take on new partners. So that's the how. The how is we make faith promise commitments the funding, as the monies come in, they go out to support those throughout the world. And that's the how of global outreach. There's a whole local outreach component that you and I are responsible for that, uh, that is our obligation too. Um, but that's how it's done. These partners come and they say, you know what, I'm going to go someplace and bring the gospel. And we say, we want to go and partner with you to do that. Uh, they don't work other jobs there. Some of them do, but a lot of them can't. And they go to a country where they can't work, even if they wanted to. But we want them, if you're going to pick up your family and move to a country that doesn't know the gospel, I want you spending 100% of your time sharing the gospel in that place. I want you to be able to free up 100% of your time to do whatever it takes to establish a church in that location. And that's our ultimate goal. We work on an indigenous church model In other words, we don't want to go send people from America there to pastor churches in that country. We want people to go to have Christians uh, developed and discipled there, and then they pastor the churches of their country. And then the church is established, and it becomes an indigenous church in that place. And the missionary comes home and goes to a different place, or, or however the word leads there is the goal is indigenous church planting. So that's the how. So we had the why, we had the how. What was the last word? Who. So you've been meeting some of the who the last few weeks. Some of the who you'll meet throughout the year as we bring them on stage uh, and as we let them share with you, our missionaries and our global outreach partners. Um, you've, uh, I, I've got some contacts just recently, and I think we have a different PowerPoint up there than I had this morning. Do you have the pictures You're getting it in a minute. I know I had some pictures of some missionaries, uh, but what's the who there? I see Reverend Greg Detweiler. That's one of the who's, the missionary that we support. Any other Mount Hope supported missionaries here uh, presently with us this morning? No? Okay. I didn't know if we did or not. Uh, The other is in our lunch in a few minutes, we're going to have another young lady. We've managed to have, uh, believe it or not, Hillary is going to become a missionary and uh, not the Hillary you're thinking of, but another young lady. That'd be wonderful, wouldn't it? That'd be wonderful. Pray for that. Pray that Hillary would come to Jesus. But this is a different Hillary. Uh, Hillary Dyer uh, is going to be sharing on our missions lunch. She shared in Belmont this morning. Hillary Dyer is an uh, MIT and Stanford trained engineer. And uh, she has been an engineer and worked in that field, but God has called her to Ethiopia. And she's called to work with... Um, 
uh, people groups uh, that are there, and she's asked us if we would support her. Right now, we don't have the room to support her, but we, um, but those are the type of people we want to support. Some of the other missionaries that have contacted me uh, just recently, Larry and Nana Johnson. Some of you know Larry and Nana. They're uh, in Ghana. They uh, were a part of Mount Hope for a number of years. God called them back to Ghana to plant a church and a school. And I talked to Nana last month, and they are opening up that school um, this month, October. They opened up their school and uh, for kids and children to be able to come, be educated, and hear the gospel. Uh, Jenny Falcon contacted me this month. Ten years she's been in Swaziland. And uh, Jenny, many of you know Jenny, and just a beautiful young lady who, after college, uh, just felt God call her to Swaziland to minister to orphans, and she's been doing it for 10 years. And she's been there faithfully serving. Our team in March is going to work with Jenny in Swaziland. Don Butera, uh, who was here over the summer, uh, left a church in Rhode Island to go and serve in Indonesia, the largest uh, Muslim country in the world. Um, the Camisos, who were also here over the summer, left a church up in Michigan to go serve in Senegal, a country that's 99% Muslim. Um, and uh, also Chris and Cindy Stuckey, uh, who had a chiropractic practice on the North Shore of Boston, uh, closed it down in order to go to a small island chain off the east coast of Africa that most people have never heard of because they on that island have never heard of Jesus. And so here's people, not because they can't think of anything better to do, not because they can't do anything else with their life, not because they can't come up with another job or another way to provide for their family, but because God has called them and they have answered a call to go to any place at any price, but that's not the end of it. The end of it is so all can hear. There's the Stukies there, Chris and Cindy Stukey. Uh, there's Larry and Nana Johnson. And uh, maybe there's a couple. There's Jenny uh, and one of the girls that were in Buambu, and there's the Camiso family as well. And that's the Morris family, who you heard from Jason last week, who's looking for support to go to North Vietnam. There's these families. That's the who. The people that will go to any place at any price, but not just any place at any price, but so all can hear. And here's where it comes to your part and my part. We get to play a part. We get to play a part. What you do in this moment and what we do as a church at this time has implications throughout the world and I believe throughout eternity. Does God need our money? Nope, doesn't. Doesn't need your money to accomplish his work. Doesn't need your money. This is not about does God need your money? Nope. He does, and he can accomplish the work with or without us, and he can do that. But what God invites you to is an opportunity. God invites us to an opportunity to partner with him in his work throughout the world. It's not a demand. It's not an obligation. It's an opportunity. It's an opportunity. That's why God talks about giving cheerfully. When you recognize the opportunity of partnering with God in his mission, in line with who he is throughout the world, and this is how we do it at Mount Hope. We help support those who have committed to go. And so we invite you to be a part of that 
this year. So when you came in, you should have received that faith promise card. And if you did, could you take that out? Uh, If you didn't get one and you need one, just slip up your hand and the ushers will give one to you. Looks like this, my faith promise commitment. If you didn't get a card, just slip up your hand. One of the ushers will bring one to you. As we come to this, I ask you to prayerfully consider what God would do through you. There's a, um, I started the service off talking about the Olympics. There was a commercial I was watching during the Olympics this year, and maybe you saw it too. I think it was an insurance company. Honestly, I'm not completely sure, but here's how the commercial went. There was a athlete, an Olympic athlete, and she was running, and she was talking about the medals she had won, and she said, yeah, I've got my medals, but you have your medals. And she says, you have your bronze. And when she says that, she's running by a a guy waxing his car, and the idea is that your car is an expensive and valuable thing, and that's like your bronze medal. Excuse me. And then she says, you have your silver, and she's running by a house. And the idea that your house is your silver medal. And then she's running by and says, and you have your gold. And then it shows pictures of a family and and kids, and, and that's your gold medal. And I guess the message of the commercial was you should buy their insurance to protect all these things um, was the message. But every time I saw that commercial, at first I was like, there's something that doesn't seem right about that, you know, and and it struck me about it. And the more I thought about it, I thought, you know, what's wrong with that commercial? Uh, The reason I have a challenge with that commercial is because that's not completely my value system. Those things are important. They're valuable. They're expensive in this world, cars and houses. And certainly my family is valuable to me. But there's another level that goes beyond gold. There's another level that goes beyond the things that are valued just in this world. Because Jesus said, don't store up your treasure in this world where moth and rust can take them away, but store up your treasure in heaven. And so I said, no, no, whatever you want to call bronze, silver, and gold on this earth, the ultimate place for the Christian and the Christ follower and for their treasure must be in heaven. And when we talk about faith, promise, missions, I'm asking you and we're asking you about investing, not on this earth, we're asking you about investing in eternity. We're asking you about investing and giving to the work of seeing people come to know and follow Jesus Christ and have legacies changed and eventually even countries changed Uh, because of the gospel coming there. People groups changed and reached. And so if you take out this card, I'm going to ask our music ministry to come back. And as you prayerfully consider your commitment this year, I'm going to ask you to pray about this. Um, I don't take this commitment lightly, and I don't ask you to either, um, that you would pray and uh, think about what to put on this card. And we do... Our missions team, our support is based on these cards. So even if you're saying, oh, I'm just going to do what I did last year, we need to know that. We don't assume that. Um, We need to know that. Or you're going to do whatever God is challenging you to do this year. 
please put it in there, whether it's a weekly faith promise, a monthly faith promise, a one-time, whatever it might be, that we would know because the commitments that they make, when Jason calls, when Hillary calls and says, hey, how did faith promise Sunday go? The answer is based on what you and I put on these cards. And when we say, yeah, we believe more money is going to come in and we're going to be able to take you on and we want to help you to go to northern Vietnam or we want to help you to go to Ethiopia or we want to help you to go to that places where it's hard to get to, it's based on what you put on these cards. And so it is important. It's significant. And, um, and what we do in this moment has implications throughout the world and throughout eternity. Uh, we're going to have some baskets up front. Uh, Pastor Marvin and James has those. You can, as you um, prayerfully complete them, you can tear off one side as a reminder for you and put the larger side in the basket. Uh, this is a faith promise, not a pledge. Uh, we don't, you won't get a call from us during the year. You're not going to get a follow-up. This is between you and God. Our missions team will see these commitments and total them up, but that's, that's really it. This is, this is between you and God. You're not going to get a call from me saying, hey, you committed this. Where's the money? I'm not going to do that. It's not what we do. This is, this is your commitment between you and the Lord that you make. And, uh, and so we encourage you to keep one side of it uh, for yourself as a reminder uh, and then put one side in the basket. Uh, if you want, you can come up and take a candy cane when you put your card in. Uh, that way everyone gets a candy cane as, uh, as well. And then we're going to sing and worship the Lord. This is our response to the message. This is our response to God's call. This is our response to Philippians chapter 2, where Paul said, let your attitude be that of Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself in the likeness of man, came and died for you and for me. Let us follow the example of our Lord as we sacrificially also live and give for him for the sake of others. Lord, thank you for the privilege of partnering with you in mission. God, you don't need to invite us to do this. You don't have to have us, but you, in, but you do, Lord. For some reason, you invite us to be part of your work throughout the world. So, Lord, I pray that you would speak to each and every heart here at Mount Hope here in Belmont. God, those watching even online this morning, God, that you would speak to us, Lord, that we would hear from you. Of what you would desire to do through us for the sake of your mission throughout the world this year, Lord. Father, speak to us. Let us hear and obey in Christ's name, amen. As you complete those cards, welcome to bring them forward as we respond to God's word today.